Hey everybody, I'm Chad Eckert and this is the Fantasy Golf Pod. This version of the podcast is kind of different. This is the do's and the don'ts in making PGA DFS lineups. I've got my buddy Eric Darbo, a golf guy. He's here to help me explain what I'm talking about. Making PGA DFS lineups. Eric Darbo, Sweet Spot DFS on YouTube and Twitter. What's up with making lineups? You can make a lineup that's going to have a better chance or a worse chance of cashing. Is this a possibility just by making it differently? I believe so. I I mean, I think everyone has their own strategies. And I think there's just weird ways of creating lineups that work. So you do that every week. We're going to we're going to get to what your process is. It's not supposed to be complicated, right? You're just making a DraftKings lineup, we're putting six guys together, but there's a possibility you could create it where you're actually dead on arrival. You're at, you're making a lineup and entering in a contest that you pretty much have zero chance to win, if not a tiny fraction of a chance, which therefore you should probably make a different lineup. You want to have a better chance than point point zero zero one. Uh, uh, the fact is that uh, you can create a lineup that has no chance. <laughs> That's true. How that is, that is very thing? true. Uh, you're forming six-man parlays. You're combining six names. You're clicking somewhat strategically every week. There are ways to click randomly, and being random is not necessarily the best idea. You are not random with your process, Eric Darbo. You're at Sweet Spot DFS. You have the bucket system. It's Is it... Well, how'd you even come up with this? Is this your own brainchild? Okay, so you and I didn't discuss this before jumping on here, but this is basically the genesis of the bucket system, the, the John Deere Classic. How do you What, explain... like two years ago or three years ago? No, no, no. It was when Michael Kim won. Oh, wow. So how do, you, how do you explain Michael Kim winning? Mm-hmm. Nobody can, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone goes... He'd missed 17 cuts in a row, something like that. He, there was nothing trending upwards for Michael Kim to win, and I started thinking to myself, okay, how how do you how do we quantify that? And I know that it's very difficult. And I know this is a stretch, but when I did all the buckets, missing a cut the week before, missing a cut the year before at the same event. Being in a certain course history bucket and being in a certain recent form bucket, all of those things to some extent matter. So if I went back and I looked at Michael Kim's stats, yep, missed cut the week before, missed cut the year before, but he had decent course history. So he was in those rare buckets. Now, I'm not saying, hey, there you go. That's how you find Michael Kim because guess what? 80 other golfers were in that bucket with him. So mm-hmm. you're still picking a needle from the haystack. But on top of that, I'm telling you, don't select more than one of these guys. Mm. So at, at that time, I would have told you never play more than 4% or even 2% of Michael Kim. But mm-hmm. that's a way you can get, that's a way you can access Michael Kim. Find somebody who missed the cut the week before or the year before or whatever is in that bucket. And you only want one of them. So it's, it's like your you say I don't do everything by chance. Usually my last golfer or my last two golfers are lotto tickets. They like, I don't care who they are. They're going to be in the six K range and they're going to be in one of my buckets. It, it does not matter if it fits all that stuff. That's how he's going to be in my lineup. So I'm not here saying I found a way to get to Michael Kim. No. One of your lineups might have Michael Kim. Two of your lineups might have Michael Kim. But not, you know, like 20%. You would be you'd be hurting yourself. Part of what you were just talking about, the do's and don'ts, that's how you're dead out of the water right away. Is by going, up. Oh, I'm finding the Michael Kim this week. No, no, you're not. Stop. Okay, there's different. Yes, that's definitely a way to be dead on arrival. You're not going to be able to find that name. Um, your process, uh, Sweet Spot DFS, you explain it every single week. You And it's different for each event in each tournament. The buckets that you are choosing, now you say bucket, it's actually, you could classify it as like a stat or a category or a narrative or um, just some reason to pick a name. Uh, You've mentioned it on the Golf Guys before. We've talked to you about your bucket process. You have like 36 different 
criteria for clicking pretty much. And yep. so each week you bubble the most important things to the top of your list. And then from those things, we've got buckets. And then each golfer that goes into the six man parlay has to check a different bucket off. Correct. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that the names are secondary almost the prices, the prices are also secondary. What you're trying to do is you're trying to make sure that your collective six golfer parlay, your roster for that week doesn't overlap three or four of the one side. It doesn't go all all in on course history guys. You are a little bit different than me in creating your own narratives but you're like, hey, if you've used the course history guy, well, then you can't use more than two or right. that's kind of down the lines of how it goes. Whereas I've been doing these narrative Twitter. I'm Eddie Dino Rilchi. You can find the narratives being tweeted out each week. I collect 20 different themes for that particular week. And then I put those names that fit the theme together. It's a year into doing this. this is, uh, a John Deere classic is probably just the time of the year that we've made these things happen. I'm learning that I am making lineups, but I may not even have a chance to win. And I've, and I'm now discovering that I, we're, we're going to talk about it when we get to this part, you can make a lineup, but it has no chance. Right. You kind of, I've been making lineups that have, that I'm trying to learn from, mm-hmm. like, where does this fall within my 20 lineups? Is it the worst? Is it the best? Is that a way to win a GPP? No. Like I'm making an 8K range lineup. That's probably not the best way to get to the tippity top of the quarter arcade, making an 8K pepper, the 8K range lineup, but I'm learning. So I'm making lineups that actually I know half of them suck and that will die, but I want to learn from them. Whereas you will say, and then you've said to me, and which is why I brought you on is that that's not necessarily the best way to do it. And half your lineups each week are probably not going to reach the tippity tip top min caching. Is that your goal? You know, maybe, but no, it shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be to win the GPP. So I want to change the way that I do the narratives going forward for the next year. Okay. Regardless. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to talk some strategy. Um, We're going to make some narrative lineups. The most important factor for having a chance at winning in DraftKings, would you consider it a game theory ownership factor? Is that one of the more important factors? What is the key to DFS? Well, I think, so I don't do game theory because of the buckets. They, they like my best lineup last week, uh, it, it scored a ton of points and I was like six in the winner take all 2k thing or whatever. I forget what that mm-hmm. one is, but I looked at the ownership of that and two guys were in the 20% range and everybody else was sub 10 mm-hmm. and that wasn't me trying. So, mm-hmm. so your buckets I, inherently push it to a different way. Yeah. Which, because Right. Yeah. You build the way you build and then automatically sets you apart. So that's kind of different. Would you say that what we've heard and what I've started, you know, when I first started doing the podcast, it was about getting six of six through the cut. You're obviously not going to win a GPP with five of six. It's going to be extremely difficult. So the goal is to try to be different with your six of six. And that's somewhat of a big factor is getting them through the cut. Would you consider that one of the more important factors? Yes, because one of my kind of one of my rules and it doesn't apply all the time, and but so you're doing all these narrative things, and I'm, I'm going to skip across here a little bit. You're doing your narrative things. You're actually, right now, you're you're basically cataloging all of your results. So mm-hmm. you're going to find out during certain events what works for you or what works for that event, which work, what, what doesn't. So you can avoid that in the future. Now, I'm also cataloging all the results, too. And I'm, I'm finding in nearly 95%, if not more, uh, winning GPP lineups have one 6K golfer in it. <laughs> so if you're not putting one 6K golfer in your lineup, I think what you're doing right away is handicapping yourself from scoring the most points. Now, I'm not saying you can't yeah. win a GPP by not scoring the most points, but in that contest, obviously, you have to score the most points to win a GPP. And if you see every single top 10 of every single event and you just look at all the DraftKings salary starting points or whatever, 
there's a 6K in every single one, except for maybe some of the no-cut events. So how do you, you know, like, that's one way to really, really differentiate your lineups right from the get-go. And make sure that it's not dead on arrival. Picking the 6K name, it may not even matter what name it is. You could probably choose between a dozen of the 6K names, and that could be your last man in, and that could actually not make any difference. So right. it doesn't matter who it is because they all score, you know, 60, 70, 80 points or whatever around the same. So you could click $6,500 guy, $6,600 guy. The name itself probably doesn't matter. It is about picking the winner, is it not? You need to have the winner in your lineup. It's almost the really the most rare. What's that? The winner is the most important piece. So – Start with who is going to win the tournament and who is going to win the tournament is typically someone in the 9K and above range. You may, probably someone in the 10K and above range. They have the best odds statistically. Vegas, DK, the people that make the odds, the people that make the pricing, they're going to put the best names at the top. They're going right. to try to lose as least amount of money on, in, in, out of the outright odds. Um and DraftKings doesn't want everybody to have the best guys. So you have to pick and choose. So what you're saying, and which we can summarize real fast, is that important factor in winning a GPP is clicking a 6K name, doesn't matter who it is, and clicking a 10K and above name that wins. And those are the two factors that are just easy to do right out the gate to skip down to the $9,200 name and to pepper that $7,700 range, which I thought was a decent way to make money that's a great way to min cash. No joke. No doubt about it. Cash games, perfect way to do that. Almost a, a better way to do that is to pick and pepper the AK range. The quarter arcade typically has 30, 40,000 entries. You will not have a, you will not have a chance if you don't have that 10 K winner and the six K range rando. So we know this leaning balance build. Okay. It leads to achieving a higher likelihood of six of six. Of course, but that doesn't lead you to a higher percentage chance of winning a GPP. You need to be risky, but do you need to take more risk? Or is it just about that one name? Is it all the names you have to be risky with? Like, are we talking? Because you just mentioned that the 20% chalk name, that's a $9,900. Like, who you kind of had to have them. Even last week, there's names that are 17, 14, 16% owned. Those are considered chalk. They get talked about in the industry as people you can't click and those are in the winning lineups they're all they're in lineups that have a chance to win every single week the names that make the difference are the 6k rando and then your pivot maybe potentially in the 7k range and then you need the 10k guy uh going for the perfect lineup this is something you kind of try to do or is this like typically your goal is to go for the perfect lineup is that how you build so the kind of a tagline that I like to use is aim small to miss small. So if I'm aiming for the perfect lineup, I don't have to hit it to win a GPP. But if I'm trying to, you know, be as perfect as possible, the likelihood of me hitting a GPP, I feel like, and it's a feeling, you know, obviously not so far, not results, um, is that I will have a better chance to hit to win a GPP rather than making a safe lineup. So when you go to create a perfect lineup, Every single time you're doing the 6K, 10K with a mix of the four others? I Another piece of my advice is always start with this model, the salary model, 1098, 776. 10, you won't nine, believe it, eight, but seven, seven, yeah, like it's like somewhere between 25 and 30% of all GPP winning lineups have whoa. that structure. But then... So for, so for when I'm doing the narratives, I should probably just that should be the template of the narrative. I have to fit it within the 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6 formula. And yes, I can go up or down or whatever, maybe one or two spots to fit a theme because that's kind of more fun to fit the theme. But ultimately, I think what you're saying is I don't necessarily need to go six of six of the names in my theme. You can do the thing where four out of the six are ball strikers and then the two just match maybe even a bucket system or wow, I got all these recent form guys and none of these guys have been bad lately. We need to have one guy that's been bad lately. So you kind of have to go in a way of building how you're saying, right? Do you, do you leave money on the table? Yes. But 
Not how, a lot. how often and how much? I always suggest trying to stay above 49,000. Like, like mm. use up $49,000 at least. Because okay. the way that I build lineups, if you think about the whole pool in your draft in, in DraftKings, you have 156 players most most of the time. Sometimes you mm -hmm. have more, but then there are people that are out and you shouldn't select them, but some people still do. Um, mm -hmm. But you have 156 players to choose from. If you actually narrow down how much money you leave on the table, so if you leave somewhere between 49.7 to five or 50,000, so like no money to $300 on the table, what you end up doing is you really narrow down the amount of lineups you can create. And what that'll help you do is get to the right players faster. If you leave more money on the table, let's say you leave $2,000 on the table. Now you actually open yourself up to tens of thousands, if not a hundred of thousands, different lineup combinations that you can build. And that in itself, to me, is a nightmare. I'm trying to narrow down, like I'm trying to make it super easy for myself, but mm. I'm also trying to fit everything that i'm trying to do and if you look at all gpp winning lineups and you if you go for the whole entire last two years you're gonna find that 95 more than 95 percent, 99 percent of the time it's 49 7 and above that they're using for salaries <laughs> so you know a lot of people have a huge issue of like well I, you don't want to duplicate your lineup oh i'm sorry instead of winning six thousand dollars does four thousand sound okay or is that too, is that not okay? Is it not okay that you have to split first and second prize together? Mm. I'm, look, I'm looking at my buddy, Mr. Guru Nick, when I say that, because he just took down the uh, 50 cent GPP and he duped a lineup. And I asked him, I'm like, so are you upset that you duped a lineup? He's like, well, a little bit of me, yes. And I'm like, oh, please, come on. <laughs> you, yeah. you, just, you just won $5,000. Like, it's not <laughs> that big of a deal to dupe a lineup. But... At the same token, if you look at all the GPP winning lineups, again, most of them are over 49.7. So what is that telling you? You know, if you want to win a GPP, do you have to leave a lot of money on the table? No. And actually last week, I think it was 49.9, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. And I think at the US Open, it was 50,000 mm -hmm. uh, for the five or the Millie Maker. The Millie Maker lineup, I think, was used all 50,000 of their salary. So you know, all those people are like, uh, yeah, you want to leave a couple hundred dollars on the table. Well, there you go, Chad. You're already dead right there for winning a GPP, at least for the U.S. Open this year. Yeah. So, Darbo, I've been doing the narratives now, like I said, for a year, and we've learned a lot, actually. Um, though what we've learned the most is that nothing matters, probably, Definitely overall, on average, it's stupid to roster certain narratives, certain kinds of themes. Like I did bad putters for a long time. And why am I trying to, why, why would I do that? Uh, one of them on a Team roster, sure. One can have a good week. And then what's good about bad putters is that they're inherently lower owned. So then, of course, you're getting, that's why they're rostered. That's why people like them because they're not wanted because they're bad at putting and it's hard to. So are we taking bad putters because they're under owned or are we just taking the under owned guy? It's about like, if I do a six man, all bad putters, this is a terrible idea. So I can't do bad that idea. kind of a lineup anymore. You have to do a lineup and a, uh, you know, I put these out and I used to just put them out and randomly click and not really think like these are rosters that I would like to submit. And that I feel confident about, I was just putting rosters out there to kind of just fit the theme and make almost like entertain people. But then they asked me like, are these winning? And I'm like, well, no, I'm not even really trying to win. I'm trying to just entertain you and do a random named lineup. So there's, there's clearly ways that you can get better or worse with the theme that you choose. But we're going to talk about what are the narratives? Well, this is like part of the country that the golfers are from. So everybody that's from Georgia or whatever, they're on a line up that during the week that they're playing in Atlanta uh, or there's, you know, where are they <laughs> good ball strikers? I mean, you guys get this. You've seen this. This is kind of work. Uh, you could do negative narratives too i've tried things like you know home life if they've just had a kid or if they're looking ahead to the next event if they've had to travel far you can look at negative 
winning a GPP comes down to roster construction. We just kind of talked about doing the 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6. And I'm doing narratives lineups that have zero chance to win those GPPs with the way that they're built. So we're going to get better. It all started last year at this uh, event. Let me share this. Hold on. Uh, this was the first one. I'm on YouTube. I love a good narrative, don't you? But what narrative is the best? I <laughs> didn't realize how popular this would have been. I, I this got it's 200. Great, by the way, the What's visual, that? the visual alone to it, it, it's it's pleasing to the eye. How you made it? 124,000 so. impressions on this thing. That's awesome. Jesus Christ. So yeah, no. Uh, oh, here actually. I'll show you what it looked like before I made it look cooler. Chrome tab. No, window. This one. Okay, so I'm already starting to do this for this week. Uh, this is, okay, so this is what I had. This is how it was going to look. And I was going to type like JT, Bubba, Wolf. And then I was going to have a screenshot like this. And I was like, and I sent it to my brothers this way. And they were like, they did not react. They didn't <laughs> care. They're like, what the fuck is this? So then I sent them the old templated version, the one you see. Um, and it's that's they were like, oh, I get it now. And then it yeah. had the salaries and had the totals and it kind of make it look more like it makes sense. This is great. Uh, and so I've learned that, you know, we've been doing this a long time. Here's I got this this week's version. Oh, what's wrong? Oh, Liam's here. Uh, so we've already started putting these together. Let's talk about this. Okay. Uh, overall, nothing matters, but it, you know. Okay. To tell you nothing matters, Darbo, is not helpful. Because <laughs> clear, clearly things do matter. Yeah. So I want to talk about what does and does not work and what we've learned making narratives. So uh Already, I can tell you right now, the silly named lineups, like the names that have alliteration or last name is a son or a man, like Johnson, you know, her man. Uh, yep. Stuff that is, you know, last name is a first name, Brendan Todd. Or last name is an item, like Stuart Sink, mm. C.T. Pan. These are not help. These do not lead to answers. <laughs> Those are great, so though. <laughs> I know, I know. So those are really entertaining, but then I'm taking a, every week one or two of my 20 and I'm just throwing them in the trash yep. to make you guys like my tweet. Correct. So I'm kind of getting away from maybe trying to go the route of entertaining you and try to give you an actual, listen, I'm, I'm trying to win the quarter arcade and we're trying to do it with a bunch of bullets each week. And I, uh, I'm not trying to joke around anymore. You don't almost have to like it. You just have to wait for me to tweet on Sunday that we've, that we've won. So I'm getting away from the, the joke ones like bad or good putters. You can consider a local tie potentially. I've tried this and it sometimes works like Texans in Texas. That's definitely a thing. Or uh -huh. people who prefer the West Coast versus the East Coast in terms of the grass types or uh, California weather or times of the year. We know that we've seen um australians perform well in like december and january for whatever reason because it's summer in australia so you could kind of use this but it's not necessarily a reason to make a uh complete total theme for that bombers and versus plotters now there are courses that dictate who will do well some weeks it's a plotter week some weeks it's a bomber week but does that mean that every week so this is, goes back to uh you know i'm going a little too heavy i'm going with all bombers and Darbo, you just told me that I don't need to do that. I might need to take two or three in a lineup and come and, and, you know, you every Darbo, you said this every time we see on the leaderboards, a bomber, a bomber. And then all of a sudden a guy that's hitting 280 off the tee mixed in and yep. they're always up there. So uh, how do I get away from making it, you know, cause we want it to be cute and fun on Twitter, but can I make a lineup that's like, half and half or 60 40 and like we go kind of that route and maybe people can get confused if we have to do these themes just to make it more entertaining yeah i suppose um yeah i mean 
we would have to come up with some kind of funny names like five and a half men or something, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. five bombers and one small guy, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. something yeah. like that. Um, it, it's going to have to take some creative. Uh, or or sure. it's not the way it goes. Or we go back to, hey, add more beer gut brain model, add more Eric Darbo model, add more just swish model lineup themes. And we get away from a plotter. We get away from a bomber. And we get back to the stat model or the uh, the font like like you get you get uh, you make your theme off of something outside of a specific stat because right not a, it's not I mean at majors you can you can see that bombers have an advantage in certain courses plotters are more likely to do well but that just we don't know if that's actually true or if that's just a coincidence for those weeks. Yeah. Some weeks. Yeah, for sure. More, I like, think one thing I will say just to interrupt here, mm -hmm. never go full six of something. I think that is where uh, you're going to really find issues because it's like, if you go six, no putt guys, well, guess what, Chad, there's usually 10 golfers inside the top 10. Six of them are pretty, they have positive putting to them. So you're going to hit four, maybe. But mm. then you're setting yourself up for fa for failure for the other two, and one of those guys might win. And guess what? The Ben Rodzes of the world are gonna see. They're gonna say, "Hey, Team No Putt won." Yeah, one guy, one guy, won the tournament that had zero putting or worse. Or it's Team No Putt, but he happened to putt well that week, like where Keegan will do really well in putting. And you're like, "Oh, I had Keegan No Putt guy, but he happened to have ten strokes putting that week. Like he was the best putter." Right. So we can never really pin down someone as bad putter, good putter. Putting is so variant too, in the way. So the uh, like certain courses dictate certain narratives. So I looked back and I looked through the results because I try to tweet most of them out each week. Uh, Quail Hollow or Wells Fargo, where that tournament's held, that led to approach guys having the best results. But I've seen overall that approach guys because. Darbo, when we first started doing this, everyone was like, just go to strokes, gain approach, sort, click. Because strokes, gain approach is the most consistent. It's the easiest to getting a good name in your lineup, and that's how you should do it. And, like, that was kind of the mentality. And now, after doing this for a year, uh, the strokes, gain approach names are now usually past stats have shown them as good approach guys. And that may not dictate future results. So past approach statistics, we're going to talk about statistics uh, tomorrow night, or no, Thursday night. Thursday night. Golf Guys program, because I wanted to ask you, we'll talk about this on Thursday as a reason. If you have a bad approach week, you probably miss the cut, and then you only have two rounds of data. Whereas for the last two months, you're making good cuts and you're having good approach rounds. It can fall off fast, but the stats won't catch up for a little while. So what you're seeing is if I'm making an approach stat lineup, it may be from guys from six weeks ago and they've lost it. Or yeah. we're now from Florida and it's we're back in the Midwest or we're up in the East Coast. And there was the guys that dominated on the uh, Bermuda grass and now we're into a different world. So you do have to be careful using even a theme for just a stat. So what we're learning again is that this is probably a poor way to win a GPP doing these themes. It's fun. It's entertaining, but I'm not, I'm not taking down GPP. I'm not taking down a GPP putting all of the past champs at that specific event in one lineup. So like, <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I, but I did past PGA tour or PGA champ champs or yeah. past players champs. And yeah. these have been, they've proven to be some of the worst lineups for sure. One of the six is fine or two they've done. They'll do fine. But most of the time I'm fitting in to make the theme, I'm fitting in bad names or I'm just going out of my way and I'm not going to, I'm never going to win. So like I have to stop doing that or I'm just throwing 25 cents. It's 25 cents into the garbage. Yeah. Uh, some weeks, most weeks, Eric, Ball strikers are the best. They're that is so we're going to get to the ones that, that the things that work, but we also have to tell you that everything we say that doesn't work once in a while will, and everything that we say does work a lot of times doesn't. Yeah. But like you said, 
we're, we're working on a 30 to 40% of the time. That's the max we can even achieve in consistency in golf stats and predicting. We want 30, 40% of the time it works. We don't want 10% of the time that works or even 15% of the time. So when I see ball strikers are almost 40 or 50 or even 60% of the time above 50% of the, they're in the top half of my lineups and they're all ball strikers. I started adding more ball striking teams once you see that. So you can see how it goes is that last year, I guess I can share this screen again or where is this? I mean, I, I started with like really bad themes. If I go all the way, let's just even look at like (laughs) Sony open. I mean, I did fairway finder, bomber, short hitter, birdie or better, ball striker, balance, Old stars and scrubs. Name man. is a thing. See, answer, English, power, steel, long, sink. Bad name. Alliteration, bad. Like, played poorly last week, all of them, and then they're all going to bounce back? Like, it goes back to the bucket system. So that's why I really, truly wanted you on is because you are you are maybe – the most onto something out of anybody that's on the internet t- spouting things out, including myself tweeting out these narratives. I'm leading the sheep to slaughter more than <laughs> actually helping bro. And so that's why I don't want to, I, I want everyone to be aware that I am making lineups. They're not great. And I wanted you to be on here to confirm that and tell our audience that you've done it a certain way yeah. that seems to be, a more consistent way. Now we're not achieving a hundred percent of the time. Eric Darbo wins GPPs. Like nobody does, but well, I'm, tell us your success so far this season. You've been successful. Yeah. I mean, the success this season for me has been better than any other season I've ever had. And I usually break even more weeks than not, but thank, thankfully for the Nagels bagels contest, like that has given me, um, enough bankroll that I can work with the rest of the season with. Um, And I was able to put in like $300 during the U S open, which I normally wouldn't have been able to. And I made all $300 back. So that was a break even. And thankfully it happened, but um, yeah, I, I, I also, so I'm not going to, you know, make a definitive because kind of like when Andy Lack was on our pod, I'm like, you know, you make definitives, you're subject to criticism. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that I'm very close to at least deploying the better strategy than, than most people out there when it comes to just primarily because all I do every single week is focus on the top 10. I analyze, and that's what the bucket system is. It's analyzing the top 10 of every single event and kind of like you said, it changes week to week. Yep. Because I'm only looking at that event's history of what I can with the buckets. So I'm just looking at the top 10 for the John Deere Classic this week, looking to see, all right, well, what types of players do well at this tournament, you know, based off of their last year performance? What did they do last year? Did that matter at all? How about last week? So kind of what you just had on the screen with who played bad last week. Well, if I look at the buckets this week, it's going to show you only want to max three guys who missed the cut last week. You don't want to have six mm. guys who missed the cut. So right right then and there, when you make your narrative lineup that way, it's like, well, you're not going to win a GPP. All six right. might make the cut, but you might have three people between 40th and 60th place. And that's not going to help you win because the differential between points usually between like 40th place and a missed cut. It varies based off of how easy the golf course is, but on average it's somewhere between 20 to 40 points that you're, you're missing out on basically from someone who misses a cut to someone who gets 60th place. So it's very like negligible. Those added 20 points aren't going to help you win anything really. So what I should do is I should, I should make the title of the, uh, theme larger so i can make it i can explain it more like half bad and half good or like something you know or like half machine half man (laughs) yeah like uh half amazing i should say half 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 man uh, half amazing yeah yeah that was a baller but either way okay so we're trying to figure out what works right we don't really you know you're we're getting close um when I first met you, though, I did think, dude, you're you're trying to solve roulette, you know. Because right. for me, I'm I'm just discouraged ultimately that it's 
not solvable. I watch a shitload of golf and for some reason I can't click a good lineup together. So it's just frustrating. So then you kind of do in a way, stop trying to solve it and you kind of lean towards, let's just have fun and play for low stakes. Cause I don't want to get too serious and get disappointed. And then when I met you, you were saying, listen, I'm going to try to make the perfect lineup and it just made me laugh. And so I was like, or good luck, bro. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was confusing at first because I'm like, where is he going with this and what is he trying to do? But it really comes down to your and it, it took some data too. you have some stats from last year. You got some stuff from the course history. You've got missed cuts and you've got stuff that not every person has access to or has databases for and can use to build lineups. So a lot of people are only using what they can. And then, like for me, I'm on the surface at Fantasy National sorting by a certain category and then plugging names in. We have learned you are more smart. You're smarter than I am. You are actually probably uh, onto something more than these narrative themes, more than the touts that say you can click anybody. Uh, so learning from you and learning that, building the roster and coming together with the total six names, I've, tr I've said this, you know, like in the way that I said it is, you can use anybody, but it's just differentiate your final two names or you can use chalk, but you just got to take one guy and make sure he's, pro he's, he's pivot, but you don't, you're not even doing anything like that. You're doing it. You're saying it in a, in the same way though. Yeah. Kind sure. Of. So yeah. like, yeah, uh, you can take whoever you want and I don't actually look at ownership, but based on my process, I can't take anybody who I want. And uh, inherently I'm going to probably have low owned names. Correct. Yeah. So that's like, which is what I, 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 that's the way to do it. You've, you're solving this shit right now. So as somebody who's done this forever, now you're, I have learned most of the time, ball strikers will be consistently good. So strokes gained ball striking, which is a stat using approach and driving to, or off the tee. Yeah. So if you don't know, you have to be a good off the tee, which is using your driver or whatever club you use off of the tee, and then taking that approach shot and doing a good approach shot with your iron or your mid iron or your wedge or wherever you are. It, or wait, wedges don't count. Depends. It depends. So hold on. Let me back up. Okay. What would you consider a great ball striking stat? Like give me a number over zero, what you would consider a good ball striking stat. Like per event? That's or... including approach and off the tee. Because you obviously sort by SGBS, ball striking. So and, yeah. how do you determine the golfers that you want as ball strikers? Do they have to be over a certain threshold? Um, over sort zero, of. at least, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you have to be within, like, I would say the top third, if not the top fourth of the field. So you're in the top okay. quarter of the field. But if I, it's, it really doesn't matter. I think it's relative to the other people in the field and the price. So, so you could, of, so like a lot of the times, most of the time, all 10 K guys are up there or most of the nine K ranges is, is up there. But for me, I can't always click that way. Or with, when I'm making the lineups for the narratives and it's a ball striking team, I got a 10 a nine, maybe even an eight. And then you got to find that low six or you got to find those random sevens that make it work and a lot okay. of times you're using the smotherman or the random guy that is as everyone else is that nobody <laughs> knows who they are but they just see fantasy national and they've seen that he's got stats in that category and must be good we don't know if that's going to continue or he had one or two spike rounds and then his stats are now skewed for a few weeks but truly it's the price that in the like it has to fit within the okay. combination and i'm kind of just sorting and then what i'll do because it's not always simple is I'll sort long-term ball yeah. strikers or, and then I'll go okay. to short-term ball strikers and you kind of mix and match to get your names and just what it comes down to Darbo is that when I post this on Twitter, if someone comes at me, this is my thought process. They say, why did you do this? Or why did you do that with those names? I'm going to at least have some evidence in the back of my mind. that was like, well, there was a reason why I chose that name. I'm not right. Mr. Stat goddess. And I don't know everything about everything. Uh, a lot of times I got to, 
put these out quick and I'm doing it fast and I got a real job in life. So I'm just kind of making sure that if someone on Twitter calls me out that I can refer to, Hey, Grio was a good ball striker in the last two years. That's why I used him. And even though he's bad in the last six months or why well, use that guy, because look at the way if you sort within the last three months. So that's so been why I, I only ask because you can, you can literally have someone who has three strokes positive off the tee negative one stroke uh, approach and like the, the the example i would love to use is bryson but he defected to the live tour um mm. i would love to use him because like josh or just swish and me we talk about how great bryson is and everyone's like oh this is an approach course we need to gr make sure someone's good at approach it's like he still puts everything to like 10 like 8 to 12 feet the guy who has to hit from 150 yards behind Bryson is only going to have better approach stats because he's that far back, but they end up in the same place, have the same birdie putt. So I only ask, like, do you notice the difference between off the tee and approach when you're looking at your ball striking stats? Okay. So it's no. just positive ball striking. Doesn't, doesn't matter what it is approach. Doesn't matter what it is off the tee. As long as that BS category is, is, you know, in the positive and in the top one third. And this then also with pricing. What we're going to do is discuss this stuff more in depth on Thursday. And you can ask me the questions and I can reveal that I like literally have never thought about that or okay. doesn't bother me. But okay. yeah, I get what you're saying because there's a lot of times where they'll club down or the fairways are so wide, or there's something about the off the tee for that specific week that you do want to favor an approach guy, but you still need to have the off the tee game. And that's why the ball striking comes into it. I just think in a general sense, if you're trying to make generalities of it all, the guys that have ball striking are clearly better golfers because they're good off the tee and yep. they're good at approach. They've done it for a little while. The, the stats have picked that up. It's an average together anyway. And we don't care about their putting because that can change and that can be variant. We don't care about their course history because some guys never even been to this course at all. And some guys have been really good for five years, but they were better golfers then and they got hurt. So there's that leaves that away. So overall, I've just noticed that ball strikers yeah, who have absolutely. been playing decently recently have been the best ones. Yeah. They're the ones that have consistently shown up. I do feel like because of who I am and because of the, my beer gut brain, like I can I can inherently click the right ball strikers or I can inherit like this is using my again, I'm making narrative lineups. And I'm making random lineups, but they're not because I'm using my finger. It's not like I'm using a generator that's telling me you should play these random things. And this is out of a random thing. It's actually I'm in control of the stars right. from the stars and scrubs. So like, yes, the beer gut brain, it plays a part in the whole thing, which it should. But I'm seeing that stats, long term, short term, short term, long term. You're kind of they're 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 helpful, but I don't know if they're actually making me more money using them. Are you using stats? You're using stats, but do you, you're not beholden to them, like you said. You're the bucket guy, so then the stats don't ultimately dictate who you're using because you're using Those stats are in my bucket system though as well. Okay, they have I have I have my own take on on it, and I'm not one thousand percent sold that I'm doing it the correct way. But I have six buckets for strokes gain stats, um, and I number them based off of basically off the team putting stats. So okay. I'm not I'm not including approach at all. Uh, approach is really the only time approach is actually included would be in the strokes gain bucket one, which means mm -hmm. all stats are positive. Mm. So, but kind of like what you're doing here, all I'm doing is I'm capturing these stats leading into a tournament. I'm always looking at the same time frame. So to me, I feel like that's the best way to do it because you get to analyze every single week that you play and you're looking at one year's worth of, of, of data, whereas like 24 rounds as some like most people use, like looking the last 24 rounds, that, that could fluctuate between for some people that could be within three months. Some people that could be for six months. And I mm -hmm. think when it comes to time frame as a golfer, short term matters a lot. Long term doesn't so much matter like you'll remember what you did the last time you played golf whenever that was mm -hmm. 
you'll remember what you did at a golf course the year before. And that's why I use the buckets the way I do. But if you're trying to catalog, what did you do the fifth time out or the sixth time out? You know, what did, do you remember what your, your sixth to last round was? It's like, no, I'd have to really think about it, but you can really remember what just recently happened. So those that are playing well, if you look in the short term, like your ball striking stats, I think it's a wonderful idea because they're showing you they're hitting the ball great off the tee or, or I shouldn't say, or it's an end or Mm -hmm. they're also hitting the ball well on approach, which is going to give you the best opportunities to score. So yeah. Ball striking, I think, is one of the better stats to use. But for me, I like to look at the buckets. I like to analyze everything. The top three buckets are basically your best off the tee golfers. And most of my projections who are going to finish inside the top 10 come from those buckets. Hmm. But every once in a while, I'll have a negative off the tee guy or two or maybe even three show up inside the top 10 that also Hmm. fit on those bottom buckets. Because like Hmm. bucket four is negative off the tee plus positive putting. Bucket five is negative off the tee plus negative putting. And then the the sixth bucket are no strokes gain stats. So that'd be like your Colt mm. Hammers at the U.S. Open, your rookies that or your European golfers that haven't played on a PGA Tour event within the last year. Those guys would fit under those buckets. So I'm analyzed and I every single every single week I do it, I'm I'm using the same criteria so I can determine whether or not those stats matter. Because if I change it up week in and week out, how do I find consistency? You know, and that's the big thing for me is I want to find, you know, I want to be consistent with my approach. And I think that's what I think would lead to success for a lot of people is if you're consistent with your approach, as long as you're not doing it by like weird names and stuff like that, you know, then, you know, you're playing for fun. But if you want to play for money, I think you find an approach and you got to stick to it Mm -hmm. for a long period of time, just like now you're caught up one year. Yep. I did the bucket system for three years prior to two years prior to me meeting you. Mm-hmm. And at, even at that time, I really didn't know how to explain it that well to you. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't take, or it, it took me until being on, on a camera and trying to explain it more and more that I finally can get it down and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at every single top 10 and I'm looking at all the stats that matter for those top tens. And applying it, that's the big thing here, applying it to this field. Yep. Whereas like, I don't, when I listen to other people, I'm like, are we looking at at any lead in stats? Do we even know what the hell's going on? And by the way, have you even like cataloged or recorded your successes at this event to try to figure out if approach even really matters? Like I get it. I get it when we, when you like uh, those data sites that, um, show correlation stats, mm-hmm. stat correlations to the golf course. I get it. That is a very like huge list of golfers that are being applied to that tournament. And that's the results at that tournament. It isn't for that the- week with that weather, yep. with yes, those people exactly. that were in the tournament. It wasn't leading in. It's not leading in stats. And if it is, it's, it's not something that's shared with us. We don't know how far those stats went backwards. We don't, you know, like it, it's very mysterious and it's like, hmm. So the, the the way that we have been told by the people in the industry to handicap our lineups could potentially be hindering us. And yes. actually, based on most of my results and the results of the other names of the industry leaders, they're not fucking winning. No. So uh, maybe we're just circling our tail or just running around in circles. Uh, you have done now, you have 36 buckets or how many buckets? Yeah, there's six stat categories. I'll, okay. I'll name those last year. I'm looking at last year's results, last Easy. week results, course history, which dates back to 2013 mm-hmm. recent form. I'm using the last seven weeks mm-hmm. and then I'm using salaries by the way. So I do have salary buckets mm-hmm. um, and then stroking buckets. And the reason okay. I'm using salary buckets, some people are like, well, that's pointless. no, DraftKings are ranking their golfers based off their salaries for how good that golfer is in the field. Yep. And it's and, a ranking. Exactly. And believe it or not, last week at the Travelers Championship, DraftKings and myself almost had the exact numbers, like salary ranks versus my my model ranks and it's like oh, weird. 
they're getting super close to what what I do, and I really haven't changed my ranking model whatsoever. I will say this: the John Deere Classic, way different. Like it is. No. Yeah. It'll be fun doing my video tonight to show what I have in the top. I think Patton Kazire is like my sixth ranked golfer, and he's seventy four hundred dollars. So it. it's like. Yeah, we have some differences, some discrepancies between DraftKings and myself. Do, do you have a bucket that you're like, that's normally I got, I'm every week, I'm like rolling yep. my eyes. I put this one in. Oh, Which no, one? no, 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 no. I thought like, what you're going to say is like, do you have any like buckets that just happen to have, like they just work every single week? So I don't roll my eyes at a, a certain bucket. I think last week we had three 6K golfers in the optimal lineup. And so the bucket system, fate, like that that bucket itself, the low 6K bucket is what I call it. That one failed because I was only projecting zero to one and three of them showed up inside the top 10. Weird. We're not building lineups like that, guys. No, we don't want no. to. Yeah. Like that's well, and that's also point. because the 10K range just went off. True, but, all those six, them, but, but if you look at the DK points scored, mm -hmm. those three 6K golfers were inside the top 10 of DK points. Oh. So you could still put them in your lineup without with maybe only having one 10 keg offer and that was it. And that would have still would have taken down a GPP. Yeah. So and okay. that was a one-off week. Do not hang your hat on that week whatsoever because that Do people people do that in the industry way too often. I'm a I'm a victim of that where oh this is the way it is. This is how it goes and you almost have to have amnesia a little bit. Yeah, and some people are like well, everyone's going to gravitate towards the 9K range or the 8K range. So the only way to be different is to grab two 10K guys and then, you know, fill in the rest at the bottom. But no one's, you know, no one has the balls enough to say, I'm going to roster three 6K golfers this week. Mm -hmm. They yeah. just say, grab two 10Ks. But what does that really mean? Like, okay, two 10Ks, what does that leave me with salary-wise? Low 7Ks? So mm -hmm. four 7K golfers? Anyways. And that's, that's not gonna get you there no it's a bad it's a bad choice of building hey by the way chad before we end this i do mm -hmm. have my salary frequencies up if you actually want to take a look at all the salary salary uh builds that okay. show up in the optimal lineup and the gpp winning lineup do you have it up yeah if you want to just show the what i'm sharing there you go so you can okay, see so this explain as salary. what you're what we're looking at so i went through and I looked at all the optimal lineups and I went and I cataloged what it started with. So 10, nine, eight, seven, seven, six. Like I told you, that is your main build five times in that super season, you know, the, the, where there were six majors that this is, and this is available to everybody. If you go watch my, um, do, uh, does ownership matter video, the link is in there. I I'd give it to you right now, but, um, I'm not prepared. Either way, you can. This is this is accessible to everyone. Um, but yeah, ten nine eight seven seven six. We had five instances that was the optimal lineup in that season. That's obviously a ten percent frequency rate. And then you can see all the other lineup builds down there. The just to start with the ten k, um, twenty four out of fifty tournaments. So nearly half. You start with the ten k golfer, and then you go from there. Yeah, and look at that. There's only one team in that top that does that has a seven that only has seven K names. You, you see that? Yeah. If I if I if I could, I would you know separate this a little differently so I could tell you how many seven Ks are in each one of these. But yeah, you can see there's a ten, a seven, and a six. I think right here is the only time that there isn't a six K. But you can see the rest of them: ten, six, ten, six, ten, six, ten, six, and then you mix in whatever. No, I like that because it, you, you kind of in your head, Martins and I talked about just you could just pick the salary and it doesn't matter who the person is. Just pick 10 2, combine them with the 6 7, combine them with the 9 4, and whatever now, fits. Now, that is just optimal lineup. This is your GPP okay. winning lineup. And I know okay. I didn't. There's even I didn't, more? I didn't even separate them by, or like it looks a little different, but 27. Oh, 27 out of 50 uh, contests that, that you start with a 10K, but then you it's a much higher frequency rate starting 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 6. And I told you make one or two substitutions. Well, you can substitute that six for another 7K. And there you go, 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, 7. That's 26% of GPP winning lineups. Start with a 10, 9, 8, 
seven seven, seven build mm -hmm. so you either Crazy. choose between a six or another seven and you're gonna win or you're gonna have a, a good shot to win a gpp 25 percent of the time so we're wasting our time like we really are pretending we know who's going to win and going after and like you're worried about chalk you're worried about pivots oh well, chalk always hits or chalk never hits and you need a contrarian guy this is that is bullshit none of that, <laughs> that it, it's not bullshit but it's actually well did you start with the right combo of build like, did you start there? Because if you didn't start there, then what do you mean you're worried about the chalk you ate? Well, if you started all 8K names, you're – is that even on there? Like no. Well, you have a 999-777. That's interesting. But, no, if you start with an 8K, you have not won a GPP in the last year. So peppering the 8K range is for cash games, not for winning GPPs. Yes. Min caching, cash games, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Trying to get six to six through the cut, that kind um, of stuff. That's lame because I've been doing that and I've been poor. So and I'm you're, telling you not to. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and now I'm realizing that you have the stats to back it up. And I was just yeah. running and around. I would, and if you want to know, you can see I'm I'm recording that all up here. So ten nine nine seven 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 for the safe way. So what do you do here. after each week? You just go in and update this this sheet. No, 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 no. This was this is all just for that super season. I have not yet updated this because I'm I'm planning to put this all in my database and then onto a website. I'm not gonna do double work, so God, I just wanted sense. to provide this. This is another video I'm gonna do somewhere in the future, um, talking about that. Do salaries matter? So obviously, you and I are already talking about this. Yeah, salaries do matter when it comes yeah. to building your lineups. Salaries seem to matter in how you use them more than a game theory you know, got to be pivoty, rando, take cute names to be bad, to be bad. We're yeah. learning that that's a mistake. Well, and if you think about how things are, how, how golfers are owned or, or stuff like that, like most people I think aren't as risky when building a lineup. So they're starting at the same spots and then they're also grabbing the same 7K golfers and the, the same 8K 7K. golfers. Yeah. Because that's just the safe way to do it. Now, I think you're still going to find two golfers that are going to be in the optimal lineup that way. So I don't think that's a wrong approach if you want to, you know, because those are your best golfers. That's, you're basically putting your best lineup together, like the whole Pat Mayo put the best lineup together type of thing. Yeah. That is the best lineup, you know, to start something like that. But I think what you'll do, you'll have much more success if you, instead of doing three 7Ks in your lineup or even four 7Ks, or or three 8Ks, it's substituting one of those 8Ks for either a higher price guy or a lower price guy, or maybe two of those 8Ks for another high price guy and then a low price guy. Yeah. And right then and there, you can get away from that chalk that's in the middle that might yeah. sink you. Yeah. And it might get you on lower uh, play guys just naturally. Right. You know, not so even... you're, you're game theorying your own self without yeah. even trying. Right. So the game theory guys that are out there, oh, pick this random weird name. It's like, well, what is that going to do to the rest of your roster? And how does that make your roster change? Right. Uh, it's They don't explain that. Like, oh, you need all five game theory guys. It's like, no, you don't. Game theory. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's, you know, you have to make rosters with good names. So you sometimes have to take the names that DraftKings gives you and that the price is wrong and that even if it's owned and it's wanted and whatever, it's a good click, click it. There are times, though, where certain courses dictate certain people and game theory, like if it's at the players or it's there's a water filled Honda Classic, you kind of might not want to go after the dude that sprays it and the, just natural stuff that you can look at. That's your beer gut brain working and you got to mix that in because watching golf certainly helps having oh, experience sure. playing golf, playing DraftKings in general, picking the names that help reduce the FOMO. So that's another <laughs> way to do things is you can pick names that you're like, you don't want on Thursday that everybody's mad about or happy about You kind of want to go out of your way. Tournament history, course history, that could lead to answers, but maybe it's more by coincidence. We've kind of covered that part of it. Grass type, that can help. Some golfers like playing different types of grass, certain areas of the country. Certain players, are, they do like playing close to home or they don't. You know, it, Does that 
is that consistent? No. And we're talking again, 25 to 33% of the time. It works every time. (laughs) Stars and scrubs or scrubs and duds and stars and duds might be a good build in general. But I think we've covered the fact that you do, you really don't need to do that. You're going to get away from having to do that or feeling like you have to do that by doing the not the 10, nine, eight, seven, seven, six. And then you're naturally getting away from everything that matters. And you're just going to click. And again, the name you click in the six K range probably doesn't matter if you pair the right 10, nine, eight. And if you get the, if you get the 10, nine, eight, right. The six K name ultimately. Yeah, probably will matter, but it might not. He could finish T 46, T 33, T 26, and you're still winning. The, the or he finishes T13 and a 7k guy that you clicked sinks you. So it really is a, a whole package deal here. Being yep. contrarian or going out of your way to be contrarian is not necessarily a needed way to build. Pivoting to pivot is never really good, actually. I've noticed that. So my advice or Eric and I's collective advice is to take the 10k ball striker in good form maybe with the 20 lineups you can afford to take all of them and then you take every single 10k name that week and you just say fuck it because you're going to need a really good golfer and then you may want to look down in the 6k range and figure out where DraftKings fucked up and take that easy click or take the name that does well in ball striking has got recent form and that you're you're happy to use and you're not going to have FOMO if you don't click but you definitely want to pair the 10 and the six together. And that's basically how you can make a better lineup that you're not dead on arrival. To add to that, Chad, I would say this, pick your six or your 20 favorite six K golfers and close your eyes and click a name because you should never fall in love with the six K golfer. Just don't do it. Just, just like we said, because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It literally doesn't matter. I see it all the time. I'm like, how the hell is Sam Ryder in there? And Sam Ryder hadn't made a cut in six weeks. And now he's in the, you know, like it, every single time the random 6K or the chalk 6K or whatever, it ultimately doesn't matter. It's not the, the make or break of the lineup. The make or break of the lineup is you had the right 10K guy that won. If you didn't do yeah. that, then it really we're wasted time in the 6K range anyway. Absolutely. I mean, JT so, Poston last week, I think was an easy name to get to. He was a okay. guy that, that was good in my model. My optimizer selected him four times out of a hundred lineups because that's all that I I only allowed it to do that. I don't I don't play a six K golfer more than four percent, but I'm also building a hundred lineups. I want everyone to understand that. If you're only building ten lineups and you pick one six K golf, if you play a six K golfer only one time in each of those lineups, or you know a different one, that's ten percent exposure. Like don't just make sure you understand that. But for me. I want to build as many lineups as I possibly can because I'm trying to hit the optimal lineup and I'm putting all of those into the contest that I think will give me the most money on my return. If you're just somebody who plays 10 lineups and it's all in the $1 short game, select a different 6K golf for every single time. I swear to God, just because you're not going to get it right unless it's like an egregious misprice like Corey Connors at the Masters last or two years ago. Yep, you're right, guys. That was an egregious misprice and you should be on that. And who cares if it's 30% ownership? Because if he's inside the top 10, you're going to need him. You're going to need him. There's no one to pivot to from from that, you know, that range to get to a different 6K. That's going to net you better results. So randomize your 6K, right? That's my only other piece of advice. Yes, start 10-6, randomize your other piece. But you also, if you're making 10 lineups in your 10th lineup, let's say you do nine with one 6K golfer, your 10th one, do it with zero 6K golfers. Hmm. Hedge yourself that way. Allow yourself to have four or three good 7K golfers, but start with the 10K. Yep. And go down that way. Well, all right, Darbo, thank you for wasting your time. I mean, uh, spending your time with me. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. No, Darbo is a golf guy. He'll be on the program Thursday to discuss strokes gain statistics because that's a topic that we really want to dive into a lot of people don't actually know about strokes gain and what it is and how it's calculated and how we can utilize it to help us handicap the names that we click. Darbo is at Sweet Spot DFS on Twitter, and he's got a video already out for a preview. And now he's going to do a strategy one as soon as he's done talking to me. He's going to go make that video. So follow him and 
like and subscribe to his channel. You got a giveaway, do you or no? Well, I just gave away uh, $30 yesterday okay. because we hit our goal of 400 subscribers. We're trying to reach 450 subscribers. And if we do that by the end of the week, I'm giving away 50 $50. So chat who, who, Anyone who comments? Huh? You yeah. If just you comment. Want, if you want an entry into that giveaway, you got to be subscribed. And you also have to comment down in the videos that I post. You can get up cool. to four entries per week. So you can maximize the uh, the chance of you winning that giveaway. Perfect. Um, and just because you're here, if I'm making my narratives now going forward in the year of 2022 into 2023, should every single uh, narrative lineup, if we, now I can still make the themes. I think we can, we can follow the themes, but I think I can be more successful with the themes if I use the rule that we discussed today, which is mm -hmm. use a 10 and a six caning in every single roster. Mm -hmm. I think I if think we do that, I feel like I'm still having fun and we're still making themes and we can entertain, but at the same time still have a chance to take down a GPP. I agree. And I think you could also still have your pepper the 8K range, but that doesn't mean six 8K golfers. That means two 8K golfers or maybe even three 8K golfers. Right. Yeah. Or I'll do four because I'll do 10 and six and then I'll do <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Either way, you can find those. I'll be tweeting them out. I don't know. Maybe I'll finish them today at the, by the time that uh, the night is over. Although, I'll be back tomorrow morning on the same YouTube channel discussing ownership. That's what I try to do because we do – we're told that it's important. But if we just follow Darbo's rules, we probably can get away from the chalk and win GPPs anyway. Uh, so this has been very productive, I think. So thank you for doing this. Uh, thank yeah, you for watching. If you like and subscribe, I'd be appreciative of that. Again, follow us, Twitter. Do it.